we have been talking about the greatest mission ever given, the greatest mission that is yet to be complete, the greatest mission that every single one of us plays a role in, a part in. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we're in relationship with God through his son Jesus, then, then we are part of the mission. We are, we are to play our role in that. And God has given every single one of us a role to play, a part to play. Nobody's part is greater than anybody else's part. Everybody's part is, is equal in God's eyes, and everybody's part is vital in God's eyes. And you and I get to play a, a part in it if we choose to, but if we choose not to and sit back, that's not okay, but it doesn't stop God. God still will continue to do what God will continue to do because there's nothing that can stop him. Nothing. And, and so whether you choose to get on board or you choose not to, that's your choice. But God's desire is, is that you would, as it says in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Matthew 28, it says, go and make disciples and he tells us that's what we're to do. This is not the great option or the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. It's the great commission to go and to make disciples. And that's what we're called to do as the people of God. And so we need to be playing our part. And uh, we, we talk about it in these terms. See everyone, love God, love people, and do something about it. Last week I said I won't make you stand and do the motions, but I'm going to ask you to sit and do the motions. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Um, and uh, and so so here are the motions. See everyone. Love God. Love people. Give somebody a hug next year. Just hug yourself. Feel warm. Uh, and then lock arms. Do something about it. So so we got see everyone. Love God. Love people. Do something about it. And as we strive to do that together. As we strive to do that together, God is going to use that. God is using that. God has used that as we continue to be uh, saying, yes, God, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to go where you want us to go. We want to get there however you want us to get there. We're willing. Help us to get there. The reality is, is, that, is that we need to do it in his strength. When, when, when I was a, a kid... I grew up on a farm, and uh, whenever we would go out to use a tractor, and, uh, and that was usually to, to disc a field or to plow a field or some other type of thing out in the fields, um, my dad had a checklist for us that we always had to follow. And, uh, and he would, you know, it was a checklist of things to do before we started the tractor, before we ever got into the cab. Um, and, uh, and so we would go through this checklist. So I remember one day going out and going through the checklist and, uh, and as I was going through the checklist, I got through the whole checklist, got into the cab, turned the key and nothing happened. And I was like, come on, I checked the, I checked everything, didn't I? And, and I, and I looked back over and yes, I checked that, that, that. Okay. All right. I don't know what to do. So I got out of the cab. And at that time, this, there was no cell phones, okay? I was like, whoa, he is so old. 
Um, there was no cell phones. There was no internet. There was none of that stuff. I had to literally walk out of, I know, it's terrible. This is, I had to literally walk out and go find my dad and say, Dad, I'm in trouble. We need, I need help. I don't know what to do. So he, would come, he came back. He's like, did you, did you follow the checklist? I'm like, yeah, Dad, I followed the checklist. He's like, all right, let's, let's go over it. And so he started going through the checklist. And uh, he's like, get up in the cab. I'll go through the checklist, and we'll, we'll see what's going on. And uh, he opens up the, the cap for the fuel, and he looks in, <clears throat> and he looks at me, and he goes, you didn't follow the checklist. I'm like, what do you mean? There's no fuel in it. There's no, there's no fuel in this tractor. You're not going anywhere without fuel in the tractor. And, and so as I think about that in relationship to living on mission, as I think about that in relationship to, to what God is doing, think about it. If there's no fuel, there's no power. And if there's no power, there's no work that's going to get done. And the same is true in our lives. If, if we do not have the fuel of God in our lives, there is no power and there will be no work that will actually get done that is of eternal value. There, there actually is someone that once said, if God were to return and remove his Holy Spirit from the planet, there would still be many churches that would continue to go on. There would be many programs within the context of churches that would continue to go on because they're not going on in the power of God. They're going on in the power of man. And that should not be what we're striving to do. What we, we should be striving to do is what does God want us to do according to his power at work in us as we are obedient to him and say yes to him and he comes along and he does work in us and he shows up in a powerful and real way and blows us away every time with what he's doing because he's a part of it. No fuel, no power, no work. But if there's fuel and then there's power, there will be work that'll get done and it'll get accomplished. The beauty is, is that we must find out what is this power? What is this fuel? What is it that we need in our lives as we strive to say, yes, God, I'll obey you. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I, I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. What is this power? Acts 1.8 tells us. For, for you will receive power. You will receive power. What power? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What, what power are we receiving? We receive the full gambit of God's power the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus God downloads his Holy Spirit into our lives and we have at our access the power of God God is living in us through the third part of the Trinity the Holy Spirit as a result of the Son, and what He has done for us, Jesus, as we put our faith and trust in, in Him, God's power comes to be in us. We have the power of God in us. The, the, the power of God. 
That's the power that created everything in six days. That's the power that looks up at the universe, and the Bible says that he has all the stars numbered and named. That's the power that, that, that every sand on the seashore has a number. God has numbered all the sand of the seashore. Have you ever gone to the seashore and picked up a handful of sand and then tried to count it? But God has all of it counted. God holds the universe, the Bible says, in the palm of his hand, right there. That power is in you. That power is at your disposal. That power is, is, is to be at work in us. And, and we see that power at work in the, in the Old Testament. We see that power at work in the New Testament. We see that power in Jesus Christ and his disciples. And the beauty of Jesus is, is that he says, I am going to pray to the Father, and the Father is going to send a helper, and the helper is going to come, and you are going to do even more and greater things than I did. Jesus said that. We're going to do greater things than Jesus? Yes, because the Spirit of God, my Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is going to be in you. That, that should blow us away. That, that should blow us away that, that the power of God is available to us. And listen, it is, you are not going to do it in and of your own strength. We have got to come to realize that in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is that nothing referring to? It's referring to eternal things. We can do a whole lot of somethings that mean diddly squat to God. That don't, don't mean anything to eternity. But we can do nothing of eternal value apart from him. But that's not where the story ends. Philippians 4.13 Many of y'all have this verse memorized, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we got to be careful because we like to, we like to throw in the non-eternal things into that. And, and the reality is he's not talking about that stuff. He's talking about eternal stuff. He's talking about stuff that God has given us to do. I can do all the things that God has given me to do. I can do all the eternal things that God has given me to do through Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The, now, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me and loves me. I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and it's his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that lives in us. John 14, verse 15 through 17, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You are the temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. 
live in a way that honors God. Live in a way that displays the power of God in your life. And so Paul, praying for the church as he often would, gives to us a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you would, turn there. We're going to look at four things that he asked for quickly. They all are in relationship to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Paul is praying here in Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 14. And here's what he says. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened, there's number one, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, there's number two, in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, there's number three, know with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be, number four, filled with all the fullness of God. Why? Because what the result of all that is, is verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than what you could ask or even think, another version says, or even imagine, according to the power, that's the Holy Spirit, at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus Check this out, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Why do we need the Holy Spirit of God in us? Because if we're going to live on mission and see him do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, then we have to have the Holy Spirit of God in us in order to be able to see God do this. He's already doing this. We're worried about the next generation and the next generation after that. The reality is God has got this. He's bigger than all of our worries. He's bigger than all the darkness. He's bigger than all the sin of this world. And he's still, from generation to generation to generation, is going to glorify his son, Jesus Christ, through the church forever and ever. So while we are concerned about the next generations, and rightfully so, we need not worry because God is in control, my friends. God is in control. That does not give us excuses to lay back or or to be apathetic or whatever. We need to be leading the next generation into what it means to love Jesus. But the reality is, even if we don't, God's still in control and he's got this. And and from generation to generation, he is going to be glorified. He is going to be honored. And the beauty is we can, like Paul, ask the Holy Spirit of God to do some work in us. Number one is ask the Holy Spirit of God for strength. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I don't know why I've got a song going through my head, and it was back from, I think, the 80s, and, and, it's, and the line is, I got the power. I don't know. I have no idea why that just went through my head, but I thought I'd tell you about it. Um, I know that's scary. We do, though. 
We've got the power. The power of the Holy Spirit is in you if you have a relationship with Jesus. Romans tells us very, very clearly, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You do not have the Holy Spirit of God in you, it's because you don't know Jesus. And I'm not just talking about a head knowledge of Jesus. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And again, I'm not talking about religion. Religion is all about what I do and what I don't. It's not about what I do or what I don't. It's all about relationship and what he did and what he does in me and what he does through me. I'm not talking about religion. Religion is a joke. It will not save you. It will not do anything for you. The only thing that can do something for you is a relationship, and that is with Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay, a couple amens. Thank you. So power. We need to pray and ask God, give us this power, may we be tapped into this power, may we utilize the power that you have given us through your spirit in our inner being. Guess what? That's where God wants to do the work is in your inner being. Man looks at the outer appearance. What does the Bible say? God looks at your heart. God wants to do the work in your heart because here's the deal. If he can transform your heart, he'll transform your life. See, we got, it to back, we got it backwards out here in this world. We think, oh, let's change behavior. That'll change the heart. That is not going to work. But yet that's what we want to harp on is everybody's behavior, and what we want to see is behavior change, and we think that if we just harp enough more on behavior, then it'll change somebody's heart. Wrong-o, wrong-o. God's desire is, is that he would transform your heart and then that that would then transform your behavior. And you look at Jesus, that's exactly what he did, even with the Pharisees and standing up in front of them and pointing a finger in their face. It was not about their behavior, it was about their heart. Their behavior was just a demonstration of the absence of Jesus in their heart. God was pointing that out, and he points it out to us, and he tells us, listen, pray and ask the Holy Spirit for power. Number two, number two, pray that Christ dwell in your hearts. Here's the deal. What God wants to do, what Jesus wants to do, is he wants to make your heart his home. Jesus wants to make your heart his home. Robert Munger wrote a a little booklet entitled, My Heart, Christ's Home in which he pictures the Christian life as a house. Jesus comes into the house and goes from room to room. He goes into the library of the mind and begins to clean up the trash found there and replaces it with his word. He enters the dining room of the appetite and finds many sinful desires listed on a worldly menu. He replaces things like materialism, pride, envy, lust, He replaces them with humility, love, purity. When he finally comes to the closet, the owner of the house hesitates to open the door to all his dark and secret sins. He can't bear to have Jesus look inside. But Jesus does come inside and cleans it up. Jesus then settles down and feels at home. He asks this important question, do you have rooms in your life that you haven't allowed Jesus 
into. Holy Spirit of God, dwell in my life. Take up residence. May my heart become your home. Jesus does not want to just be a guest in your home. He wants to live there. He wants to take up residence there. He wants to dwell in your heart. Pray for strength. Pray that the Holy Spirit would dwell. Number three, pray that you would know. So that you would know. In verse 18, have strength to comprehend, to know with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Know what? Not know how we can love Jesus, though that is important, though that's vital. What he wants us to know is how much does Jesus love you? How much does Jesus love you? And, and we have to look no further than the cross to see how much Jesus loves us. Because if you look at the cross and you see that the, the cross is pointing down, down into the depths of our soul, and he can transform the darkest, deepest heart, no matter what the sin issue is in our life, Jesus can come into our life and radically transform the deepest, darkest part of our heart. And he loves us so much that it points to the sky because he's one day going to take us to be where he is and spend eternity with him in this place that the Bible describes as heaven. And he loves us so much that he longs for us to be with him in relationship to him. And then how wide and how vast is his love. Notice the two links of the sides. That demonstrates to us that his, his love for us is eternal. His love for us is infinite. His love, no matter what is going on in our life, never will cease. It is an everlasting love. And he loves you no matter what. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to remember. That's what we need to hold on to when we're being bombarded by Satan with all kinds of temptations and fears and worries and all kinds of darkness is just how much does Jesus love me? He loves you so much he was willing to spread out his arms and die on a cross so that he could make sure that you understood that he loves you. And not only did he die on that cross, he rose again and is alive today. And you and I can know that love. It's not just knowing how to love him. It is knowing that we are loved by God through his son, Jesus Christ. And there is no greater love than that. No greater love than the love that we have in Jesus. Fourth thing. We might know that love so that what verse 19 tells us, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That word filled means to be filled to the point of overflowing. So like a cup, you've ever been filling up a cup and you ever get distracted? Or maybe you're at the sink. I, I, uh, every day, I, it's my job to, to do the coffee. There's a reason for that. Do you know Why? It's biblical. Hebrews. It's my wife's, my wife's use. Ladies, I just armed you with some serious stuff right there. Take advantage. 
unless your hubby makes really bad coffee, then she brews. Okay. Um, but he brews. So why did I go back there? Anyway, I do the coffee. I fill up the whatever, craft. Every time I put it in the sink, I've learned to put it down in the sink. That's a good idea. Uh, one time I left it up on the middle part of the sink, and it filled up, and it overflowed, and it tipped, and it broke. Bad idea. So I put it down in the sink because inevitably I always get distracted. And that bad boy just fills up and keeps over, right? Same idea here is that we would be so filled up with the Holy Spirit of God that it would overflow out of our life and it would go on to everything around. Are we so filled up with Jesus that people can't help but see him in us? Are we so filled up with his love, with his kindness, with his compassion, with his gentleness, with, with yes, even his willingness and ability to confront sin? Are we so filled up with those things that people can't help but see Jesus in us because he's overflowing out of our life? Pray and ask God to fill you up. Why? So that, as we talked about in verse 20, 21, we can be a part of him doing abundantly more than we can ever think or even imagine. From generation to generation, Jesus being glorified. That's the mission. It's always been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. That'll never change. So we do what we do so that Jesus can be glorified. And he will. And he is. Whether you choose to or not, he is going to be glorified. And there's not a thing anybody in this world, I don't care what they do, I don't care what they decide to do in this country, it will not diminish the glory of Jesus ever. Satan has tried to do that for umpteen thousands of years. And he is not going to win. He's the loser Loser. He is. Um, and, uh, and I'm telling you, we, we give him way too much credit. Is he powerful? Yes, but he is not more powerful than God. He that's in us is greater than he that's in this world. He is a defeated foe. So what do we do? We choose to live for him. Perfectly? No. My word, no. But that doesn't keep us from trying. And keep us from trying. I don't know about any of y'all, but I, I don't love my kids perfectly, but it doesn't keep me from trying. I don't love my wife perfectly, but it doesn't keep me from trying. Don't love my friends perfectly, but it doesn't keep me from trying. I don't love the church perfectly, but it doesn't keep me from trying. But here's what I do know is I, I can't do any of that stuff without the power of Christ in me through the working of the Holy Spirit that God has downloaded into my soul. Am I willing to let him work? Listen, I asked you earlier if you would ask God to speak to your heart, what is he saying to you? What is he telling you? What is he revealing to you? Can I ask you to, to, to think on that? And then as you think about that, would you do me a favor, please? This is so, so important to do. Share it with somebody. Tell someone. 
tell someone, seriously, send a text, instant message, call them on the phone, literally walk over and talk to somebody. You can still do that in this day and age. It's possible. Um, go and talk to somebody face-to-face. Yes, you can. Share it with them. Why? Why? Because as you do, it becomes more and more real in your heart. And it's about making disciples who make disciples. So go and yeah. Did you just close your eyes, bow your head? Worship team's going to come, and they're going to teach you a new song in just a little bit. So you get to sit and listen. As you know, if you know the words already, feel free to sing. Um, it's going to seem like a real familiar song at the beginning. Um, and so that's okay. Sing with it. But as you're thinking about that and the words that are going through uh, your mind of what Jesus is speaking to you about, what God has talked to you about, are you willing to obey? Maybe you're here and what Jesus is saying to you is, you don't really know me. Friend, you, you really don't know me. And, and the thing that you need to do is right now say, I want to know you. I want to surrender my life to you. I recognize that I need you, and I want to be in relationship with you. For those of you that say you are, you're in a relationship with Jesus. You know him. You love him. At least you claim to. Are you, are you letting the Holy Spirit of God, that power of God, work in and through you? Are you willing to pray and ask him, ask him to do those four things in your life? Ask him to fill you. Ask him to help you know. Ask him to, to give you that, that, that strength. Ask him to do all of these things in your heart, in your life, so that as he dwells in you, takes up residence in you, that you more and more flow over with Jesus. And it impacts people around you. God, thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Go with us, help us, to live for you.